Welcome in to the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com. I am your host, Tyler Martin, and I'm joined today uh, for the staff edition by Joey Blackwell, one of Bama's senior, uh, excuse me, Bama Central uh, staff writers. I was about to say senior writer, Joey, um, but you know, you're not old enough to be a senior writer yet, man. But anyway, listeners, hope you guys enjoyed our latest episode with J.C. Latham, one of Alabama's five-star commitments. Really awesome conversation, right? Talking about why he chose Alabama. Talking about kind of just a little, little bit about his why, uh, and just in terms of life, why he why he's motivated to be the best he could possibly be. And uh, just a little bit. I thought he shared an awesome story, Joey. I don't know if you listened to it, but he shared a great story about how Nick Saban uh, tried calling him uh, whenever Jedrick Wills got drafted. And he was like, he was like working out during the NFL draft. He was like doing push-ups. And I told him, I said, that's got to be the most football guy thing I've heard a guy doing um, in a very long time. No, I haven't, I haven't had the opportunity to listen to it yet. Been really busy lately. But no, it's a great story. And that sounds like something Nick Saban would do, just calling during the NFL draft, still trying to reach those recruits, especially when they see his former recruits, his former players getting drafted meanwhile. Yeah, and the thing else we said was this the separation, really. It was like Nick Saban was calling during the NFL draft while Coach O and Ryan Day and some other Ohio State coaches and other LSU coaches were calling afterwards, right? So um, Alabama really separated itself, obviously, uh, during the Zoom season, uh, a.k.a. the coronavirus season. Um, but, yeah, Joey, so uh, first things first, man. Uh, you got to ask you, start to this week. I know it's been, uh, you know, a little slow a little bit in terms of news for Alabama, um, but, hey, we're still rocking and rolling through voluntary workouts. Alabama hasn't suspended theirs yet, right? I mean, you've had uh, Boise State recently suspend theirs. I believe Kansas State did as well. Uh, so, it's you know, it's, it's really interesting to see Alabama just, hey, we're going to keep chugging right along. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, I was uh, I watched, you know, Mayor Walt Maddox here in Tuscaloosa has been posting some stuff on social media lately, and he was talking about how, uh, the coronavirus, as far as as far as people that are um, currently in DCH, which is the hospital here in town, uh, those numbers have been going down. As far as people that are you know being put uh, in the ICU and stuff like that, um, so I think when you have those correlations and um, no fear of, of of masks being implemented and being made mandatory in Tuscaloosa, I think that's encouraging these players to keep on playing. Um, also, you know, you have the economic impact. That was also a big story that came out last week was about the economic impact here in Tuscaloosa if there isn't a football season. I think stuff like that are really um, helping push these guys along and push the program along to keep keep it going and uh, hopefully prepare for a 2020 season. Yeah, I saw his recent comments. You know, I know he kind of backtracked a little bit. He, he was basically saying the university is worth $2 billion to Tuscaloosa. Not necessarily the football team. The football team is probably worth about $200 million. That was his uh, his math behind it. Uh, but still, regardless, uh, a crap ton of money, right? Like, it's still like yeah. a buttload of money uh, that means a lot to the university. And hopefully we're going to have fans in the stands to stimulate that economy in the fall. I know your, your Crimson Corner, though, is uh, you know, it was it was about no fans, right? Yeah, it was about no fans. I, uh, you know, I, I, here's the thing about an opinion on the coronavirus and how it's impacting the world of sports and the, the future seeds, the potential seasons this year. Anything can change in a heartbeat. If we start seeing a lot of reduced cases, if if cases all of a sudden drop, if everything starts to change and this and this virus goes away, then obviously we all want fans in the stands. We all want fans in the stands. Period. But w- what I was coming from. The, perspective that I was coming from in that video was more so if things continue in the state of Alabama and across the country that they are and they're still slowly climbing, then I feel like it would be best to have uh, a season without fans. 
Um, and as much as that behooves me and behooves everybody else. Um, but at the same time, you just have to sit and think about, you know, the personal responsibility of people. I made a point in my video talking about how, you know, fans still, um, one of the prominent points that I made was talking about how, you know, in the stadium outlines that they're coming out with, they're wanting to make a lot of entrances and exits to sections one way. And the problem with that is, is that you have to, that places a lot of responsibility on the individual, which is fine. But the point that I made was if you go to your local Walmart or your Publix, how often do you see people actually following those rules? And so if you have, you know, if you're trying to trust 20 people to do that, that's one thing. But if you're trying to, you know, trust 50,000 people, which would be roughly half of Bryant Denny State capacity, that becomes a whole other matter entirely. Yeah, I completely understand that. Just wanted to kind of, you know, let you go a little bit more in depth of that. If you guys listeners didn't know, Joey has a commentary called The Crimson Corner. It's a, it's a little, you know, four or five minute video that comes out every Monday, right? From now on, Monday? Yeah, it used to be Wednesdays and then starting this week is going to be our new Monday. And it's going to be spent reflecting on stuff that happened the past week, especially during football season. that will reflect on the game from the previous Saturday. Um, but for right yeah. now, still doing what we're doing. It's going to be kind of, you know, whatever's relevant right now. <laughs> Expect a lot of hot takes, right? I mean, this is this is what's going to be coming. Uh, but no, so Joey, one of the reasons why we're on here tonight, and the main top main t- premise of our episode now is is a, is a first part and a two part episode we're going to have next week as well. But it's the top ten most important Alabama players for the twenty twenty season, right? And so we're sitting here in the middle of voluntary workouts, and and I keep you know hearing guys, guys are a lot faster, guys are accumulating really quickly to this new strength and conditioning uh, coaches and, you know, they're lighter, they're quicker. And I, you know, we can't obviously see the players, right? Like we haven't been able to go to a practice. They haven't had practice for us to be able to, to judge who might be the most important. So that, I mean, this is a little bit purely speculation just from coming from last year. Um, and, you know, the little bit of, uh, you know, the, you know, just hearing from what the fourth quarter program um, at the beginning of the year and then moving forward into the summer workouts. And then hopefully when we do get to see these guys in August, this list will make a lot of sense. But tonight we're going to do number 10, number se- uh, number nine, number eight, number seven, and number six. So the, the 10 through six we're going to talk about tonight. Now, this might not be the mo- the, the best players, right? It's just most important, right? It's just what we think is most important. And, Joey, I want to start out at number 10. And it's a guy who had a really, you know, under-the-radar freshman season last year, and that's Jordan Battle, uh, one, of, one of Alabama's young defensive backs. Uh, the, reason, the reason I bring him up is because you look at Alabama's defensive backs, and there's a lot of unknowns. There's one really big certainty, and that's Patrick Sertain is going to ball out. He's going to lock down whoever that number one is, right? But who else is going to step up right? Like you, like Nick Saban likes playing with four, sometimes even five guys back there. So who's going to be the next guy to step up? Is it going to be Josh Job? Well, is it going to be Ronald Williams, the JUCO transfer they got coming in? Well, I think it's going to be Jordan Battle. And uh, what's kind of your analysis on what he can bring and where he can grow his game um, in 2020? Well, you know, you said it. You said it at the very beginning. He had a very impactful freshman season. Of course, you know he's a four-star prospect. Uh, you know, out of out of Fort Lauderdale, number two safety in the nation coming into college. You know, last year he had 30 total tackles, which include 18 solo tackles and 12 assists, including a fumble recovery and an interception. Uh, you know, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. And high, and then also, you know, he saw he saw action. He he saw action in all 13 games last year, and in that first game against Duke, he came off the bench late, got an interception in his first game and wearing the crimson white and he made an impact early then and he'll make an impact this year especially when you have the likes of uh, Xavier McKinney leaving he's he's 
slated to potentially shift into that role that Xavier McKinney left at Alabama. Um, and so it's going to be – he has a high potential to make an impact this year, especially if we combine him with Josh Joe. Yeah, I, I'm just – like I said, man, somebody else has got to step up. And I think last year um, you saw it too, and especially in the big game against LSU, right? There was a lot of guys in the secondary who were missing a lot of tackles. Um, you know, and, and obviously the LSU game stands out because that that's that was the most impactful game, really. You know, that told the tale of the whole season. Um, and it's essentially, you know, injuries coming in a factor, missed tackles, things like that. Um, but the secondary uh, at Alabama, you know, it, it's becoming. You know, we talked about position U. It's becoming one of those things where Alabama's producing a lot of guys at the NFL level, right? We just talked about Xavier McKinney, Trayvon Diggs. Um, so you're missing. You're coming into the season, you're losing Shine Carter, Trayvon Diggs, Xavier McKinney. Um, those are some big holes to fill, and I think Jordan Battle is going to step in nicely. Um, you know, he's that he's that perfect size that Nick Saban wants at a DB, and it's going to be interesting to see because I love the graphic that Jeff Banks put up uh, the other day when um, I, I think it was maybe when Christian Leary committed. He was like, man, freshman play at Alabama, right, because it was showing the number of snaps that these guys got last year as true freshmen. And Jordan Battle was, was, a, was one of those guys, one of those true freshmen who got four starts. And that's a big thing, um, especially playing in the SEC. But, yeah, so Jordan Battle coming in at number 10, I think he's going to have a big season. you got to pair someone alongside Patrick Sertain. So why not let it be Jordan Battle, a guy who has a lot of upside and a very high ceiling? Number nine now, Joey. This is a guy who, okay, when, I, when you think of monster Crimson Tide defensive lineman, right, the number one guy I think of is Quinnen Williams. Who, mm-hmm. who, who would you think of? No, Quentin Williams, I think of uh, Terrence Cody way back in the day, too, as far as just absolute monsters of, of humans. <laughs> yeah, or, or, even, or even Jonathan Allen. I mean, too, Jonathan Allen was a monster, um, you know, playing that defensive tackle position as well. But a guy that I think could see a Quinnen-like jump, right, because Quinnen, in my opinion, had one of the best individual um, seasons in 2018 uh, when, he won, um, when he won a lot of awards, got a lot of, you know, a lot of recognition for what he did. And I mean, I know it didn't result in a championship, but still one of the best individual seasons a guy's had in a crimson style uniform. But this guy coming in 2020, I think it's Christian Barmore mm-hmm. at number nine on our Alabama most important list. The reason why I say Christian Barmore is such um, an, an important factor in this season, right, is because when Alabama has a good pass rush, when they're disrupting the quarterback, when they are stopping the run game, man, that makes Jordan Battle's job on the back end and Patrick Sertain's job on the back end a whole heck of a lot easier. And one thing last year that I absolutely just really admired about Christian's game, and apparently he's, I mean, he's gotten stronger, he's gotten faster, gotten quicker, the agility's there. But I don't know if you remember this. I think it was, um, it was one of the cupcake games. Maybe it was uh, Southern Miss. But I was sitting on, I was standing next to Chris Walsh and Kerry Clark, and it was the last play of the game. Christian Barmore gets in there, and he gets a sack, and it's literally in garbage time. Alabama's up like five, ten, five, six touchdowns. And guess what? The entire defensive line group runs out onto the field just celebrating, hugging. Like, he brings an intensity and a fire to a defense that, that's just remarkable. And I might have to upload the video because I think I got a, a video on my phone of, uh, of him doing that. I, I need to upload that along with this. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's, he's also, you know, he saw every game, he saw action every game last year against Duke. You know, he recorded, you know, uh, 26 tackles. Uh, including two sacks last year. He was named the freshman, you know, all SEC player from last year. We saw what he could do last year, you know, against Western Carolina when he recorded, he recorded, you know, six tackles, you know, one tackle for a loss. And then he also had a half sack. So, 
Uh, he's a huge prospect in high school. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about high school for every one of these guys. You know, four-star prospect. He's number four defensive tackle in the nation, according to ESPN. And uh, you're exactly right. He brings an intensity. And he brings a fire to this to this defense, especially the defensive line. And he's able to rally people to his cause, much like you know, uh, you know, much like Quentin Williams and other players back in the day. So look for him to make an impact early. And you know, just this year, he's just just going to be his retro sophomore year. So he still has a lot more time left with the Crimson Tide. Well, you know, if he has a big jump like Quinnen, you know, at one big season could see him off to the NFL because he is three years removed from high school. Um, so that's obviously a possibility as well. I just, I just think Alabama, if on defensive, I mean, defense adjustments going into 2020, right? Like, I mean, you had the Dylan Moses injury and you had the Joshua McMillan injury. Obviously, those are two key parts to the middle, right? But up front, I know the LeBron Ray had some injuries too. DJ Dale was having some injuries in the back half of the year as well. But I think you look at Christian Barmore. Uh, is a guy who, hey man, you've got it. You've got to set the tone. You've got to be the guy up front in the trenches, winning those battles left and right. And if we're able to do that, then Alabama's going to have a lot of a lot of success this year. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. The, they have one of the best defensive lines in the, you know in the SEC this year, along with one of the best offensive lines. So they're good in the trenches this year, that's for sure. <laughs> so moving on now to number seven. This was really tough, right? Like, you look at the firepower Alabama has, especially on the offensive side of the ball. This was really tough to kind of narrow down. Um, but number seven, just in terms of most important player, is Jalen Waddle. Now, Joey, can you name me a more electric returner in college football than Jalen Waddle right now? Uh, I can't. You know, whenever I think of Jalen Waddle, one of the first things that comes up in my mind is one of his touchdowns last year against Auburn, that 98-yard touchdown return. Uh, and in a very close game that, you know, of course, Alabama didn't win that one, but it brought him close. Uh, but no, as far as electric returners, he reminds me a lot of uh, Javier Arenas um, from way back in the day for Alabama when it comes to his return game. Yeah, and I think Chris, he had a he had a story up on our site just a couple of days ago about, you know, why isn't Jalen Waddle getting much love as a first team returner? He's getting a lot of second team accolades, but like, why can't he get a, you know, a first team? Um, you know, All-American, preseason All-American award, right? Honor. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. But also, I, I think he's he, he might be the most electrifying player in college football. And I say might be. I think Purdue's Rondell Moore might have something to say about that. Maybe Chubba Hubbard of Oklahoma State. But I think Jalen Waddle's in that conversation, right? So, you know, you look at what he had last year uh, in, terms of this, in terms of just the pure numbers. Uh, you know, he had – uh, and numbers compared to 2018 were a little down, but 560 yards, six touchdowns. But the reason why it's so important is because he changes the game. Uh, you know, they were down, what, 7 nothing, 10 nothing to LSU, and he got that big punt return for a touchdown. He just changed the momentum. I like him a lot, and obviously I, I think we all believe, you know, if he has a really good season this year, then he's probably going to leave um, after the 2020 season to head to the NFL. Well, you know, his numbers were down last year, you know, compared to, you know, um, in 2018, he had over 800 yards of receptions, whereas um, last year he only had just over 500. But you also have to think about who he was playing with. You know, he, that was a quarterback change um, during that year. I mean, well, Tua was for both those years, but you had the, the tandem of Jalen Hurts and Tua in 2018. But then you also have to consider um, talking about, um, you know, there was also Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, you know, two very, very good wide receivers on that team that, of course, they were also good in 2018, but they became much more relevant, much more at the front in 2019. So that, of course, will steal some production from them. 
But, you know, you mentioned his return game. You know, also he's a playmaker. You know, he had four touchdowns, including that 98-yard touchdown. He had four touchdowns last year against Auburn in the Iron Bowl, and which shows his potential that how he works with Mac Jones as his quarterback. So I think if Mac, if, you know, Mac Jones will have a lot to choose from with his receivers this year, but primarily that will be Waddle and uh, somebody else that's about to come up on our list. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was such – I mean, it's always going to be such a crowded wide receiver room at Alabama, of course, but – you know, with him, it's it's basically him, Smitty, and John Mechie, and, you know, all the other guys they got, too. But I'm thinking John Mechie is probably going to be that third guy, potentially. Um, we'll see Javon Baker, um, uh, Treshawn Holden, Tyee Jones-Bell. There's some freshmen that have made, freshman guys that have been making a lot of noise. Um, but I'm just really excited to see what he does as um, as one of the top two guys on the on the team, right, that Mac Jones is going to have to throw to, or Bryce Young, um, whoever is the quarterback, because – uh, you know, you put him in that RPO system like they ran with Tua. Guess what? You give the ball to Jalen Waddle. You know, wherever he's at on the field, there's a chance he's taking it to the end zone. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, it's, it's the same with uh, it's the same with Devonte Smith. Um, I, I feel the way about Devonte Smith with Mac Jones is that you know, once again, you know, we had Judy and Ruggs last year, but this year now you have Devonte Smith uh, along with. <clears throat> excuse me, along with Waddle shifting up to the forefront. So now we've seen how they can compete being the three and four guys. So how are these guys' production going to be now that they're the number one and number two guys? Yeah, well, let's move on here. Um, Jalen Waddle was number seven. Move on to number six. We're going to go back to the defensive line. And uh, it's uh, number six is actually a, a North Alabama native, LeBron Ray, a guy who was hey one of the guys who was marred by injury last year. And the reason I, I have him on here, Joey, is, again, because I mentioned Christian Barmore getting that pressure at the middle right, disrupting the run game, filling in the gaps. You need a guy who's going to um, who's gonna beat those tackles, right? You need a guy who's going to get get by, make that make that swim move, get by him, uh, get by the right tackle, get by the left tackle. That's LeBron Ray. And I'm expecting him to have a bigger season because he's getting so much first-round hype. Because I know, you know, there's so – like right here, Jalen Waddle. Um, our number five guy we're going to talk about, LeBron Ray. Um, maybe, I mean, maybe not Christian Barmore for 2021, but maybe 22 in terms of first-round pick. I mean, they're talking about Alabama's slew of first-round picks for 2021 being, you know, a, a record in college football. Well, LeBron Ray, for that to happen, LeBron Ray's got to have a huge year. And, you know, obviously dealing with injuries doesn't help. Um, but you know what? With Matt Ray, with David Ballou, I'm going to mention these guys because they're doing such a phenomenal job. It's, it's, you know, he's going he's gonna to help them heal. He's going to help them get quicker and get faster and get stronger. It's all, it's all about technique for them. And I think LeBron Ray is really due to have a big year. Um, and so, um, you know, if Alabama, once again, if they're generating a pass rush, they are going to be really successful on the back end. Well, you're absolutely right. And that was one of the key things I was going to bring up was his injuries. You know, of course, he had that, that injury his freshman year, limited his playing time. Then he had a fantastic uh, redshirt uh, sophomore year where he had 39 tackles. Um, including two and a half sacks and two passes defended. But then, of course, this past year, I believe uh, it was against South Carolina last year where he went down with an injury, and that was initially supposed to be just six weeks missing, but then it ended up being the entire season. Um, and so that he's, you look at his stats in 2018 that show his true potential. He's going to be out there. He's going to be hungry. He's slated for a huge year this year, especially if he can improve on how he was in 2018. Yeah, you know, it kind of hit me, right? It's like, Every year at the Capstone, he has dealt with 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 a lot of injuries, mm-hmm. and that that sucks, right? Like, I mean, being one of the you know a really big name prospect coming out of high school, that sucks. Uh, but I do think though, uh, 
I wonder, I'll say this, I wonder, you know, last year, Alabama was in the playoff discussion. Had they gone to the playoff, I was wondering maybe if LeBron Ray, you know, was healthy enough to play in those games, maybe. Because it was originally just supposed to be a few weeks. So I would love to go back and think, man, maybe if Alabama made the playoffs, maybe they get LeBron Ray back. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that, that could have been a factor, I mean, going to play, uh, you know, just a citrus ball game against Michigan. He wasn't really needed as much. But, um, you you know, he talked about him in high school. Of course, you know, he's the number one player in the state of Alabama that year. He went to Madison High School, and he has a strong – you know, he had a strong track record in high school. Obviously, you have to to be that ranked that high. Um, and it's going to be really exciting to see what he can do this year. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. It seems like every year there's always somebody that gets hurt in that Alabama defense, and hopefully it's not going to be LeBron Ray this year. Yeah, that's obviously part of football, and uh, and we hope LeBron Ray, man, fourth year's the charm, right? That's That's what we can hope for. With him, and we really do think he's going to have a great year, man. And and uh, you know he's going to he, he you know he fills out at number six on our most important Alabama players for the twenty twenty season. Number five. So to to finish up half of this and to kind of wrap up the episode, number five, we kind of you know gave a little pre. Can I What's correct something real quick? This is actually number six. We're doing five next week. Oh, shoot. My bad. Yeah, <laughs> number six. Been a wrap of the first half. So we've been 10, uh, 9, 8, 7, and 6. I'm sorry. It's Numbers are confusing for me. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're that's not doing a lot write. of math, Joey. That's why we write, and that's why we're not mathematicians, Tyler. It's all good. <laughs> so number six, and a lot of people might be upset with where he's at on here, but it's Devontae Smith, right? It's a guy who is so much more than, than second and twenty-six. Really, I mean, that, that, remember last year, Joey? That was one of the big things he came into last season. He's like, I don't want to be remembered as that guy. Well, he had five touchdowns against Ole Miss. Uh, you know, he and he, he guess what? With Henry Ruggs, with Jerry Judy, he was the team's leading receiver, and he was so much more. And uh, and like I said, when you have two receivers in your top ten most important players, you've got plenty of weapons to choose from. Mm-hmm. No, he's exactly right. And that was, once again, you beat me to the point. That was one of the things that I remember most from him last year was that he did not want to be remembered as that guy. Sure, he's grateful for that moment. He's grateful for that memory. But he wants people to remember him for his time at Alabama and his career, not one singular moment. Of course, you know, last year he was a Blitnikoff semifinalist uh, behind, uh, which, you know, is a big deal for him being really being, he was really the third wide receiver on the team. And to be a Blitnikoff semifinalist, that's big. Um, of course, last year he recorded 68 receptions and you know 1,200 yards along with 14 touchdowns. And if you can have that kind of production, with once again Judy and Rugs in front of you, you're going to have a really you know. And now that he's the number one guy, he's going to have a really good season this year. Depending on how often Mac Jones can find him, and of course Mac Jones is somebody that I trust in because he found Smith and Waddle plenty um, last year. But uh, it'll be interesting to see you know um, what Smith what Smitty can do. So, you look at this, Joey. Look, look, I mean, right here, right, 1,256 yards. He had 18 and a half yards um, per catch. That's <laughs> crazy, man. I mean, another one, another speedster. And what I, what people, I mean, I think a lot of Alabama fans get this, but what a lot of people in the nation don't realize is Derek Stingley Jr., who, in my opinion, should have been SEC Freshman of the Year. I know it went to Bo Nix. Bo Nix beat Alabama, right? I mean, that's why, that's why he got it, and he played better than Santa Fe. But Derek Stingley Jr., as a freshman, who is regarded as the best corner, the best corner in all of college football as a freshman, you know who cooked him? You know, you know who cooked him? It was Devontae Smith, right? I mean, go look at, look at that LSU game, dude. He had, like, over 200 yards. Um, he had a couple touchdowns, and he cooked him. And I'm actually – that's the one matchup I'm really excited to see this season when Alabama goes to Baton Rouge. I want to see if, you know, if Stingley can get revenge on Smith or 
if uh, if Devontae is going to have another big game. I think that Alabama LSU game is going to be a really good one. It's going to be one, it's definitely one on my highlight list for this year, especially given how, you know, <clears throat> how good LSU was last year. People are regarding LSU's team from last year as one of the greatest teams of the decade, if not, if not in football history. And, um, you know, they only were able to beat Alabama 46, uh, I think it was 46-41 uh, last season. So um, if you take into account now this year, you have Joe Burrow gone. You have a lot of players on both sides gone. It's going to really even out the playing field. And seeing that matchup with Devontae Smith is going to be crucial to that. Yeah, I mean, he had 213 yards in that game last year on, on seven catches. So he averaged 30, 30 yards a catch. Um, that's pretty good, right? That's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, and obviously and one guy we're going to talk about when we get to the top five could deter that a little bit in terms of a balance on the offensive side of the ball. So we'll see if they continue to get the same production. Um, but there's no reason why it's going to drop off with a different quarterback, in my opinion, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I know, I know one of the big things last year, the criticism was, well, Tua's got all these weapons. It's mainly the weapons that are doing it. But, hey, the guy's got to get the ball there on, on time and accurate, and, uh, and you know, Matt Jones can do that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, I was actually on, on social media earlier today, and a lot of people were still giving Mac Jones a lot of flack for, sorry, my dog is pawing at me. It's okay. Oh, you're good, um, you're good. <laughs> um, it's okay, calm down. Uh, you know, a lot of people still give Mac Jones a lot of flack for the Iron Bowl last year for those two interceptions, but if you take Mac Jones and remove him from the rest of that, um, you know, he, like we were just talking, he threw free touchdowns, uh, to um, sorry, Blake. No, I just talked to Waddle. Threw two, three touchdowns to Waddle in my game, along with, along with a couple of more. So it, it, he has the production and he has the weapons. And if, and if the stars align properly, like they look like they are, it's going to be a special season. So just kind of recap the top, uh, the, the number 10 through six players, um, and and our and Bama Central's most important players in the 2020 season for the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know, potentially a rising star in the secondary in Jordan Battle. You got Christian Barmore, who looks ready to feast on any opposing offensive lineman. Jalen Waddell, um, the electrician. I mean, he's going to bring a lot of electricity if there's fans in the stadium. And then LeBron Ray, going to bring some pass rush on the edge. And then you got Devontae Smith as well. So, uh, really, I mean, these players right here, man, I mean, obviously some of the best in the nation at their respective positions. Um, but I'm excited for next week, too. We're going to do next week with Chris Walsh. He'll be on here um, talking about the top five, um, which uh, I'm curious, you know, if, listeners, if you guys, you know, think that we left someone out, let us know. Or if you think that we should add someone, let us know, right? Tweet at us, uh, you know, comment on our site and our forum. Do whatever you need to do to, to make your voice known. Uh, Joey, as we wrap up, man, is there anything else you'd like to add? Not really. It's going to be a fun season, and hopefully, you know, we'll have some news. I know Commissioner Sankey said that we would hopefully know by, you know, mid-late July if the season's going to happen, and, you know, keeping my fingers crossed and praying about that and looking forward to writing more stories about this in the, you know, months, days, weeks to come. Yeah, and uh, I know there's going to be new dates for the virtual media day, so we'll, we'll have that to look forward to as well. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. It's a pity we couldn't do that in person, but given circumstances, it's understandable. We'll be there in person next year. <laughs> Yes, sir. I'm ready for the Mike Leach show. Um, <laughs> but, but yes, but, but anyway, guys, thank you again, Joey, for coming on here. And listeners, feel free also, while you're telling us how we got this so wrong, just tell us, you know, write, uh, write on, our, uh, on Spotify, on Apple, write a review. Uh, you can rate us. You can subscribe to us. 
and uh, just let us know how we're doing. You know, we want to we make sure there's good feedback going there, but we appreciate everything that you guys do for us. And uh, we're glad to, you know, be in a position during amidst, you know, really crazy times in the country. Um, we can, you can talk sports, which is really awesome to do. So this has been the All Things Been a Podcast. For Joey Blackwell, I am Tywin Martin. Have a great Wednesday.